great to see you all here on this fine, fine March Sunday, amen? No ice, snow out there, it's a good day. Um, we're going to continue this morning where we left off last week in our Colossians series, and we're in this Colossians series entitled Life Worth Living, and so what we're doing right now is we're in the midst of a two-part uh, um, series. Paul opens Colossians 3, a two-part message, excuse me. Uh, Paul opens Colossians 3 with this idea that we're to set our hearts and set our minds on things above. We're to aim our lives on purpose with a trajectory towards heaven. And he gives us a whole bunch of insight then in Colossians 3 on how to carry that out. And uh, what we have to understand is that if we have small misses today that we're okay with, probably down the road at some point we're going to have a big miss in our life because trajectory matters. And he tells us then in Colossians 3 that there are two ways to have what I label a uh, 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 reorientation of trajectory. He gives us a two-step process to have a reorientation of how to aim our lives. Um, and this all has to do with dominance, by the way. What's going to dominate you? Are you going to be dominated by the things of heaven and that perspective? Or are you going to be dominated by this earth and that perspective? See, earth needs a slave to heaven, not heaven slave to earth. you got to have the right kind of dominance going on in your life. And so Paul says there's a two-step reorientation for this to take place. First of all, we've got to put off some things. We've got to take off the old self, the old dominance, and we have to then put on some things. So, so trajectory reorientation involves two basic things. It's removal of your old self from dominance, and then putting on the new self and Jesus as the new dominance. Last week, we looked at this removal process. And Paul, like he does all the time, he gives you this big, honking, theological insight. And then he gets super practical. And he says, taking off the old self is going to look like this. You put to death things like sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires, greed, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, and lying. And I, I love that about the Apostle Paul's epistles in the New Testament. He gives you big concepts, but he also gives you practicality on how to fulfill that and how to live it out. And so last week we talked about this idea of how do I really put to death some things in my life that I ought to put to death, like filthy language or slander or uh, anger or whatever. Well, you can't be satisfied with just cleaning out the cobwebs every now and then. Uh, you have to get to the source of the cobwebs, the spider that's manufacturing the cobwebs. And I think oftentimes in our lives, when we have some issue going on, like slander, we may just every now and then think, I gotta try hard not to do that. And we clean some cobwebs out, but we haven't killed the spider. At some point, you have to ask yourself and get to this introspective moment, why am I slandering? Why do I have a need to put others down to make myself feel good? Do I have a jealousy issue going on? Do I have a self-perception you know, issue going on? Um, what's going on? There's something inside that's driving you that's wrong. And you have to have that kind of self-awareness and self-reflective moment to get beyond cleaning up some cobwebs to say, oh, there's the spider, and I need to kill that thing dead. And then you have, a, have to have this repentive moment before the Lord and ask the Holy Spirit to do a renewal, transformative work deep within your heart so that you become the new creation that God intends you to become in that area. In our culture, we have to admit there's a lot of anger issues, aren't there? 
There's a lot of anxiety going on right now. These are big monsters uh, of problems out there in our culture. And I, I think that, you know, breathing techniques, they're fine. And, and relaxation techniques, they're fine. They're good. There's nothing wrong with doing some of that stuff. But you know what? If you're an angry person, why? Do you have expectations of God that are unrealistic? Do you have kind of expectations of people that are unrealistic? Uh, are you being biblical in your approach to life? Are you asking for a, 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 a trouble-free, comfort, you know, orientation life? God doesn't promise that. And, and so you have to get to the why behind the anger and begin to deal with the spider. And then guess what? Kill that thing dead. Amen. And ask God to do a renewal work in you and to fill you with his Holy Spirit so that you become today what you're not yesterday. You become this new creation that God intends you to become. And, you know, anxiety, what a monster in our culture right now. And there are medical reasons for anxiety. There are all kinds of emotional reasons and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Sometimes there's a spiritual reason. And you have to begin to look at some of these things spiritually as well as you look at them from your other angles and ask, if I'm anxious, is there, is there a spiritual cause behind this? Am I trusting myself too much? Am I trusting in a career too much? Or am I trusting in a spouse too much? Am I, you know, trusting in things that are not trustworthy? Am I anxious because I'm trying to control what I can't control? And, and uh, do I have to quit worrying because my worry cannot add a single hour to my life? And you begin to have some deep introspective kind of analysis going on. And then you know what you do? If you're trusting in something that's amiss, you ask God for forgiveness. And you repent and you ask the Holy Spirit, empower me to become a person of peace that Jesus promises, a peace that surpasses understanding. See, we have to have this approach of removing the dominance of our old selves. If we're going to aim ourselves towards heaven, have the right trajectory in life, we have to, we have to have remove the dominance of your old self. Okay, we covered this all last week. All I shared with you thus far is review. So now we're going to kick into the second step putting on. And that's what I love about the Bible. The Bible isn't just a bunch of don't, don't, don't. That's a misconception of the Bible. The Bible is a bunch of do's, do's, do's. Amen? And so now what we're going to do in Colossians 3 is we're going to get to a whole bunch of to-do's. These are things we're to become, to put on. You ever hear the phrase, dress to succeed? Anybody ever hear that phrase? I'm dating myself a little bit because in our culture right now, it doesn't exist. You dress basically the way you want. Now, I understand you might go to an interview and you might dress up for an interview and you ought to, right? But by and large, look around. We're pretty casual here this morning. And people pretty much dress casual. So the phrase dress to succeed has lost some of its maybe impact it might have had uh, 10 years ago as, as an illustration. But get this. Spiritually speaking, when you dress to look like Christ... You are dressed to succeed. And that's where Paul takes us now in Colossians chapter 3, how to clothe ourselves so that we look an awful lot like the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the second step of reorientation of trajectory, putting on the right kinds of things. It's not just putting some things off, but it's putting some things on that will aim us to heaven like we're supposed to be aimed to heaven. So let me read to you now Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. Look at the language. It's about clothing, about putting on, about being dressed so that you look like Christ. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. 
Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive us, the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. Amen, right? This is scripture where you should say amen. So I'm going to say amen, you say amen. Amen? Amen. It's good scripture. This is good stuff here. And last week's message ended then with how do I actually put some things off? And we talked about that. This week, we're going to put some things on and talk about that. We're going to clothe ourselves with Christ. So we're to step two. And our big thought this morning on putting on the new self is simply this. You are to clothe yourself in such a way that you have the look of Jesus. You're to clothe yourself in such a way that you have the look of Jesus. I don't know about you, but clothing matters a lot. And, and we, we clothe in such a way that we can deal with the culture that we find ourselves in, spiritually speaking. But we clothe ourselves in such a way, too, that we can deal with the climate that we find ourselves in, right? So I have some articles of clothing up here. So in South Dakota, this is a really important article of clothing, isn't it? Because I do a lot of snow blowing. Do you guys do a lot of snow blowing? Boy, I got the same reaction as the first hour, kind of, well, you know, we do a lot of snow blowing around here, and this is like this little old, I call it the monkey suit or, uh, you know, overalls or whatever. This is a handy piece of clothing. Now, I see this happen all the time in South Dakota, and I always find it kind of funny, but I see people doing this. They wear a T-shirt outside this time of year, and I think, you're not out in that cold very long to do this. I know you're tough. I, I know you think you're in South Dakota and you don't need warm clothes. You hang outside for a couple hours and this and what happens? You are cold. I don't care who you are. You know what this thing is for? A climate of 80 degrees. Every time I look at this T-shirt, I go, oh, God, bring back the 80-degree weather. Amen. I love 80-degree weather. And that's what this is for, isn't it, right? This is the appropriate dress for a warm Temperature outside, but I tell you what, wait until it gets about 35 out and you'll see people in this in shorts, right? And some of you know that because you live with one that does that. So at any rate, but it's not the right kind of clothing for the climate of, of this time of year. Now, I have another super important article of clothing here. This is maybe one of the most important I'll show you. It's a, a, a Viking shirt. So... When you're watching the Vikings, now I have this. This is a Jared Allen shirt. And I have a Jared Allen shirt very much on purpose. I bought this on purpose. Uh, he no longer plays for me. He's retired. He was the happiest football player I ever watched play. That boy enjoyed every game. He was always laughing. I said, I want his jersey because he had joy in the experience. Because most of the time, I don't have joy watching these guys play. Seems like they just crushed my heart. But I'm still going to be a loyal fan to him until I die. Amen. So there's that appropriate dress for a Viking football game. Um, so when it comes to the spiritual clothing, we, we have to understand what the Apostle Paul is getting at here is we, we live in this climate, this culture, where we got to have the right articles of clothing on so that we look like Jesus and that we can exist okay in the culture that we find ourselves in. And so each one of these uh, things that Paul listed 
in this section of scripture, I'm going to walk through them real quickly. Quickly, It's not like last week. I didn't walk through the don'ts one by one. Today I'm going to walk through the do's one by one because they're so important to put on. Amen? And so what I want you to do is to kind of go on this dressing journey with me this morning. And on each one of these articles of clothing that I'm going to talk, this is going to go really fast. I want you to be reflective. And I want you to ask yourself, do I have this piece of clothing on? Do I do this? Do I look this way? And if you don't, ask the Holy Spirit to clothe you that way, to make you look a lot like Jesus Christ, to put on that article of clothing. So this is meant to be kind of a reflective self-analysis time with you all. All right, so listen to the message with that kind of a, kind of a filter going on. So the, 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 the article of clothing that, that the Apostle Paul begins with is compassion. First of all, he says, put on compassion. Now, in compassion, God forgave us. And we look like Jesus when we show compassion to other people. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 explains compassion well. Listen to what it says. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. So we're to understand this. We're to have the same compassion towards others that God has shown towards us. We're to use the troubles that God has comforted us in to comfort others in their troubles. We look a lot like Christ and we're clothed with the look of Christ when we have this compassionate heart that says, I know what you're going through. And out of that perspective, we begin to interact with other people. Now, in, in Williston, North Dakota, at New Hope, and here in Brookings, South Dakota, at Grace Point, we deal with a lot of, uh, of needs. People come in and they have spiritual needs and emotional needs and financial needs. You know, it's, it, people are needy out there. And sometimes we can get a little bit hardened and jaded and, and begin to, 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 to think people are maybe not sincere in certain things, especially when it comes to financial ask for help. And here's kind of my rule of thumb. Compassion needs to rule my heart. And if I'm going to err, I'm going to err on the comfort, compassion side with people. And I know every now and then I'm going to be taken advantage of a little bit. I'm not dumb. I know that. But I'd rather err that direction than the other direction. Amen? You follow what I'm saying? Because we should be illustrative. We should have a look of compassion to our culture. Lamentations chapter 3 tells us this, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So here's our reflective question. Let me ask this to you. Consider this this morning, please. To whom is God prompting you to show some compassion today? Think of somebody. Who can you comfort in their troubles like you've been comforted in your troubles? Who is God asking you to show some compassion to today. The next article of clothing that Paul moves us to is kindness. Now, this speaks to a disposition more than an act of goodness. This isn't about doing some kind acts towards others. This is about having a disposition of kindness. It's way more than a kind act every now and then. It's the grace of God at work in the follower, mellowing all that which is harsh and austere. It's the opposite of severity. It's God changing your disposition. Listen, hear this, please. I think about this a lot. I personally do not want to become an old, cranky person. 
I don't want to have that disposition. Amen? I want to have the disposition that's talked about here by the Apostle Paul. The older I get, the more kind I want to become. And I want it to be something that's genuine, not something I just work up and do every now and then. See, we're supposed to have this kind of position. In kindness, God led us to repentance. So let me ask you this question. When, when, think about your disposition. Do you have a kind disposition? Does that describe you? If not, then ask the Holy Spirit to do that work in you of renewal and transformation. The next uh, article of clothing we're to put on is humility. Humility. Super simple definition of humility is this, knowing who I am and knowing who God is. It's thinking uh, a lot less about myself and thinking more about others. In fact, usually when you get to be really to the humble person, you just don't think about yourself a lot. You think about other people, and that's what occupies your mind most of the time. You know what? In our culture, it's like a breath of fresh air when you see a truly humble person because in our culture, people are so ego-driven and so self-centered, it's kind of getting ridiculous. And I'm convinced anymore that the one, that one of the defining characteristics of somebody who's going to succeed in life whether, whether you're going to be a good boss or a good employee, have a good career, whatever, is are you humble or not? Because the humble are teachable. The humble know who they are and they know who others are, and they're okay with that. Humility to me is one of the key characteristics that will define success for a person, if they're humble or not. And, and, and you know what? When you see a humble person, a truly humble person, they're like a breath of fresh air. They're just so different. The other day I was out skiing for a few hours and I did some snow removal in the driveway. And I came in and Vicky said to me, man, you smell good. You smell fresh. Like she never, I mean, it kind of took me aback. She just never says something like that. I said, well, I've been outside. Yeah, I smell like outside. She said, smell really good. And I thought, okay, I'm going to use that Sunday. Now I got my illustration. Because I think when you're a really humble person and you come into a circumstance with that true attitude and it's genuine, you're just a breath of fresh air to those around you. So let me ask you this question. Are you a breath of fresh air to those who rub into your life when it comes to this aspect of humility? They go, man, you smell good. You smell really good. And then the Apostle Paul says we're to put on gentleness. To put on gentleness. Now, another word for gentleness in this context of Colossians 3 is the word meekness. And this simply means my strength is under God's control. I accept God's dealings with me as good and I don't resist God. Meekness never equates to weakness. Not the same thing. It's strength directed by the Holy Spirit. It's your strength directed by the Holy Spirit. Are you a person then submitted to the control of the Holy Spirit? Does that describe who you are? If not, ask for the Holy Spirit to fill you and to control you and to direct you so that your strength is under the control of the Holy Spirit. Samson in the Old Testament was a man anointed by God with supernatural strength. A lot of us know his story. And he was this ancient leader that God raised up to deliver the Israelites uh, from their enemies. But Samson was not a meek man. He played around with the strength that God had given him. He was impulsive. 
uh, he, 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 he just kind of toyed with the things of God instead of taking it serious. And I was reminded of a Wesley uh, comment that maybe Samson should have known. It's this idea that we should do all the good we can as long as we can to everyone we can. You know, and, and, and that just wasn't who Samson was. And he was eventually deceived by this beautiful gal named Delilah, and he revealed to her that part of, the, uh, of his strength was that his hair had never been cut and that he was in covenant with God. And so Delilah took that information to the enemies of the Israelites at that time, the Philistines, and they snuck in and chopped off Samson's hair. And we're told that the Spirit of God departed from him. And here's one of the saddest comments you'll ever read in the Bible. He didn't know what happened. Samson was unaware. And so the Philistines came in to attack him, and he thought he would just do him like he has done in the past. He wasn't even aware that the presence of God was gone from him. He was not meek at all. And so they subdued Samson, and they put out his eyes, and they put him in a prison. And while in that prison, his hair grew back, and, and, and he was led once again for one last great act of, of strength. He was, he was out in the arena, and they were making sport of him, and he told the boy with him, put my arms against the two pillars, and God graced him with the strength to return to him one more time, push those pillars down, and it collapsed on all of them, and killing himself and a bunch of the Philistines. But here's the thing about Samson, and here's the thing we've got to understand about meekness. His is a story of what could have been. Because he wasn't a meek man, he did not put his strength under God, we look at his life and go, oh man, Samson, you blew it. Yours is the story of what could have been. Listen, if you're a person and you're not putting your strength under God's control, if you're not being controlled by the Holy Spirit, then you're going to get to the end of your days and your life is going to be a life of what could have been. And it's going to be a sad story at that moment. So we got to put ourselves in this place of submission to the Holy Spirit and be clothed in with meekness. Are you a meek person? Is gentleness something that describes you? Let's move on to the next article. Clothing is patience. That just means you have self-restraint before proceeding into some kind of action. Um, You may have the power to to take uh, revenge, but you restrain from doing so. Now, in the context of Colossians 3, it's about dealing with a person, not a circumstance. It's about dealing with the person. Are you patient with other people? So here's our reflection question. How do you do in your dealings with others? Does self-restraint describe you? Next, Paul takes us to this article of clothing called Forgiveness. And this, again, has to do with the person more than a situation. It's the willingness to pardon a person. It's not overlooking a situation. It's looking at a person and saying, I forgive you. Now, we learned last summer in the Lord's Prayer that if we are unwilling to forgive others, then that puts us into a bad place where unforgiveness reigns in our hearts and usually resentment is there and usually retaliation is there and you become a person that's very hardened and you're taken captive to your unforgiveness. So if you're harboring something against someone here's the deal you need to forgive that person will you set them free and then set yourself free will you set them free and will you set yourself free because that's what forgiveness does for you and next Paul turns our attention to something incredibly important to clothe ourselves with and that's love this comes from the Greek word agape it's that 
selfless love. It's that God-centered love that has the well-being of others at the forefront of what it does. It's demonstrated by Christ's willingness to go to the cross and be a sacrifice for us. That was agape love. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. That's the uh, word uh, agape love there. And so the idea here is that you have this concern at the forefront of your dealing with another human being of their well-being. That's what you're first and foremost concerned about. That's agape kind of love. Um, I don't know if you're getting a pattern here yet, but I hope you are. Almost all these articles of clothing that the Apostle Paul talks about here that we're to put on have to do with how we treat other people. Have you noticed that? We look a lot like Jesus when we treat other people like Jesus has treated us. We're to treat other people with compassion and patience and forgiveness in love, they all fall into that grouping of treatment of other people. It's incredibly important to have that understanding uh, of this clothing thing. Next, the Lord gets to the, or excuse me, the Apostle Paul gets to this idea of peace, that we're to put on peace. Now, peace simply means an untroubled, undisturbed well-being of the soul. Jesus said, peace I give you, not as the world gives you. Peace I give to you. How's your anxiety level today as a person? Now, it's readily acknowledged in our time that there's an awful lot of anxiety going on out there. Some of it has a spiritual uh, orientation. And you have to ask yourself, if my, is my anxiety coming from a mistrust of God and trusting in myself too much? Am I not stepping into the promises of Christ that he's given me? And, and what do I need to do, you know, in that regard? And, and ask the Holy Spirit then to bring the peace that Christ has promised to be a reality in your life. Amen? And so I want to just encourage you, if you're a very anxious person all the time, at least do some praying along the lines of asking God to be uh, the one who's in control of your life and asking for him to grace you with peace. Ask for it. You have not because you ask not. Ask for it. It's a good starting place to dealing with anxiety. And last of all, uh, Paul says we are to put on thankfulness. We are to put on thankfulness. I think there's a lot of discontentment in life, and part of the antidote to that is thankfulness. And I want to challenge you one more time with what Pastor Aaron challenged you with three weeks ago to go out of the church today and this next week Thank God for 10 to 20 things this week. I know this is the third week in a row that we've said that to you. It's that important. Because I tell you what, thankfulness needs to be a defining characteristic of the follower of God. And when you find yourself being cynical and angry and discontent in life, start thanking God for something. Thank him for your husband or wife. Thank him for your children. Thank him for our job. Thank him for food. Thank him for heat in the middle of the South Dakota winter. Thank him for four-wheel vehicles that go through the snow so well. And it doesn't have to be profound, deeply spiritual things, but begin to thank him that, you know what, things that you take for granted, thank him for those things. And it will work into you a different altitude when it comes to life. You'll look at it differently. You'll look at it through the lens of gratitude. So have you been thanking God for 10 to 20 things a week? Have you been doing that? I'm going to challenge you one more time. I may go back to this again next week, but we're going to get this. 
All right? Redundancy is our friend to some degree. I want to do an imagine exercise with you. I want you to imagine uh, with me. Now, you can close your eyes if you want to do this, but I know you're all Midwesterners. You're extraordinarily uncomfortable when I ask you to do stuff like this. But, but just imagine this with me. Imagine now you're dressing yourself with these spiritual articles of clothing that we talked about. Imagine that you're putting on an article of clothing called Compassion. Imagine that you're putting on an article of clothing called kindness and humility and then gentleness and patience and forgiveness and love and peace and thankfulness. Now you're dressed like Christ. You look a lot like Jesus. And you're dressed for the climate of culture that you find yourself in. And you're dressed to live a life that's worthy to live. Do you remember that song by Mercy Me a few years ago entitled I Can Only Imagine? I believe there's a movie coming out this next weekend based on this song. At least I heard that on the radio the last few weeks. And it's a song about heaven and trying to get us to imagine what heaven would be like. And it goes, I can only imagine what it'll be like when I walk by your side. I can only imagine what my eyes will see when your face is before me. I can only imagine, I can only imagine. Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus, or in awe of you be still? Will I stand in your presence or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? That's a good line. Because I think when we get in the presence of God, I think our verbiage will go away. We'll be just awestruck. So it's a good song, right, about what's to come in heaven. But get this. What about what we just talked about today? Can you imagine that becoming a reality in your life right now? Not some distant time, but right now. Can you imagine how different your life would be if you were truly a compassionate person? Can you imagine what your life would be like if you're mellowing and becoming more kind the older you get? Your disposition is becoming that of kindness. That doesn't mean you're weak. It just means you lead with kindness. Can you imagine what your life would be like if you're, uh, you're, you're gentle, that your strength is truly under God's control, or if you're really patient, and if you're loving, and you get what I'm saying, you're forgiving, and all the things we talk. Can you imagine that? Because I think this, listen to me, I think the beginning of true transformation of the heart begins when we begin to say, could it be? Could this actually happen to my life? And we begin to imagine, I, I think this could be. And then we begin to seek God and say, God, I don't want to just imagine this. I want to live this. And we begin to seek his face. And we begin to ask him to do a work in us. You see, none of this is going to happen in your life by just trying. It's going to happen when you begin to seek God and you abide in him more and you trust in him more and you surrender to him more. That's how this stuff begins to truly happen. And it's not something that, that just meant to be left on the imagination shelf. At some point, it's meant to become something that we are that we truly are becoming that, and we're becoming more like Jesus. So here's a, a one reflection question I just want to leave with you. Which article of clothing are you missing from your wardrobe? Which one is God saying, hey, you know what, you need to be kind, or you need to be more compassionate, or you need to work on forgiveness, or whatever. You see, when we have these articles of clothing put on, and the Holy Spirit's truly doing this in our life, then you are dressed in Jesus to handle the climate of culture. And the climate of culture that we live in right now it's kind of cold. It's not very compassionate. It's cynical. It's uncaring by and large. It's harsh. It's unkind. Just listen to some national debates and all the angry words and all the nonsense that goes back and forth. Um, 
so much of culture is about ego and self-promotion instead of humility. It, God is considered by so many to be out of date, so why would we put our strength under God's control? And you know what? We as Christians, we kind of walk out in this climate of culture in a T. We're not really dressed for it. And we wonder why we get all beat up. We wonder why we're ineffective. Because you know what we're dressed in? A T. And we need a lot more clothing. And so, you know, oftentimes what we need to have going on is this, right? Good old South Dakota garb. We need to be dressed in something that's more appropriate for our culture. And that's what Paul listed for us here in Colossians 3. And I don't know about you, but as I age, the last thing I want to become is a cynical, uncaring, disturbed, anxious, ungrateful bugger. I just don't want that. That's just a terrible life to live. And the power at work in us as followers of Jesus Christ can make the look described here in Colossians 3 a reality, not just a hope. And it's not about trying hard. Are you hearing this? It's about yielding more. Yielding more to the work that God wants to do in each one of us. You can't do it, but the person the Holy Spirit in you can do it. So we're going to conclude today by reading some scripture out loud together here. Colossians 3.17, would you stand up with me, please? And just read this out loud with me. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen? Bow your heads and we'll have a word of prayer and then close with a song this morning. Will you bow your heads, please? Lord God, I thank you for this Colossians scripture. It is so powerful. I thank you for uh, Colossians 3 specifically this morning that we've been looking at for the last couple of weeks. And I pray for anyone in here this morning that needs to, um, you know, deal with some old dominance, Lord, that they need to kill a spider, so to speak, today. I pray that if there's malice or anger or lust or uh, any kind of thing like that going on in us that's listed in Colossians 3, Lord, that today you would help us to be dissatisfied with some cobweb cleaning and help us get to the rakas and to repent of that, Lord, and then ask the Holy Spirit to do a work of renewal in each one of our hearts deep there, Lord. Replace, replace the anger, I pray, with, uh, with just uh, your peace and trust in you, God. I pray that you would just, uh, if we have a, a tendency to slander, I pray we, you would place that with a tendency to encourage and build others up, Lord. I just pray you do the polar opposite in us of what our old dominance wants to do. And Lord, then today we want to put on things that describe in Colossians 3. We want to be people of compassion and kindness and, and gentleness, Lord, and, and, and patient and forgiving and, and all those things that are listed there in Colossians 3, Lord. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would do that work in us. And I pray um, that if we realize we're missing an article of clothing or two or three or four, Lord, that we would seek your face and, and truly uh, go after that by yielding to you and asking for your Holy Spirit to, to clothe us in that way. We want to be fully clothed followers, Lord, because we know that clothing is seen by others. And so as we're clothed to look like Jesus, then others see Christ in us. So this, this matters from that regard too, Lord. So help us to be clothed in such a way, Lord, that uh, we look a lot like Jesus. That's our simple prayer this morning. And we pray it may be a reality that we realize by the power of the Holy Spirit in each one of us, Lord. And God, if, if there be any here who aren't a follower of you yet, Jesus, I pray they begin there because none of this will work if we're not a follower of you, Jesus. So I pray for some that just give their, their life to you this morning, Jesus, and receive you as their uh, Savior and be filled with you, Holy Spirit, I pray. 
love you, Jesus. And all God's people said,